Chick, 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 chick. Hey, y'all, and welcome to In Kaylin Color. I'm your host, Kendra, and I'm here to tell you all about true black crime. I want to bring the light, the unheard, and push down stories of black serial killers, lesser-known murderers, and true tales of crime scene cleanup. The danger in ignoring black victims and perpetrators is not only in the devaluation of black life, but also in ignoring systematic oppression that makes black people more vulnerable to violent crime and less likely to receive justice. I'm not saying let's celebrate black crime, but let's just bring some light to it and let the people know what's really happening. True crime is horrible. Luckily, I'm not. Here we go. These are their stories. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of In Killing Color. We're going to do something a little bit different today because it's time to switch up things. So let's get to it. So today we're going to talk about serial killers from back in the day. And by back in the day, I mean 1583. The first one we're going to talk about, her name is Queen Anna Nzinga. She was born around 1583 and she died on December 17th, 1663. She was also known as Anna de Sousa Nzinga Mbade. And she was a 17th century queen of the Ndongo and Matamba kingdoms in the Mbundu people of Angola. According to a book from back in the day, Nzinga was a woman who immolated her lovers. It claims that after the queen became of age, she obtained a large male harem at her disposal. Her men fought to the death in order to spend just one single night with her. And then after that one night of single lovemaking, getting down, bust down Tatiana, they died. She killed him. It's also said that she made her male servants that were vying for her affection dress as women. So I'm guessing Queen Nzinga was into the trans life. Not mad at it, but that's what you like. That's what you like. They say that in 1633, her oldest brother died of cancer, which some contribute to her, but I'm not really sure how they could do that, being as though cancer cannot be given but you know it is what it is it's been suggested that queen nzinga was also a cannibal cannibalism was part of the lifestyle and dietary practices of the mbangala tribe of africa stories about mbangala cannibalism were reported by african witnesses by the likes of kings of the congo who actually complained about it and i'm sure they complained about it for an actual reason she declared herself an mbangala immediately after she fled her homeland at the suggestion of the portuguese 
Dzinga introduced her people to a ritualistic type of cannibalism. There seems little doubt that Queen Nzinga was a cannibal and she encouraged that amongst her people as well. Very little is known about these serial murders themselves, but it is known that Queen Nzinga's brother, Mbade, died from poisoning and rumors spread around the chapel, whatever, that she was the one who actually had poisoned him. All of her lovers were reportedly executed, but the manner of execution remains unknown. Queen Nzinga engaged in the indiscriminate killing of her subjects. There were two definite murders, and after that, little is reliably known. And I would guess so, being that it was early 1500s. So at that point, we really don't fucking know what she was doing. The number of her one-night stand lovers who were murdered is also unknown, and there is no information about the murder of women who were killed because they violated the, and I'm going to mess this up, Volgi Vagability Statute. Basically, women were supposed to be available for sex at all times, and if they weren't, guess what, bitch? You dying. The existence of that law is regarded to today as a myth, but it doesn't sound too far off. Most of the time frame of these crimes is uncertain, but we can narrow it down to a relatively manageable estimate. At, the, at an early 17th century time frame, Queen Nzinga killed between 1823 and 1663. A 30-year duration of these serial crimes was reported. So Miss Ma'am was a queen and she was killing everybody she slept with from... What year was that? Let me go. Let me slide back from mm, back to the front from 1633 until 1823 when she died. So she was getting busy. She was actually I'm going to post some pictures because she was actually using menfolk as furniture in her house. Yes, she was giving you bend down, sit on the table. I'm sitting on you because you're worth nothing in my life but furniture. You peasant. <laughs> Girl, Queen Nzinga was not here for it. She said, if you ain't here for the furniture, baby, you ain't here for nothing. And I ain't mad at it, baby. Long live Queen Nzinga. The next queen on our list is Queen Rana Valana the Cruel. She was a serial killer in Madagascar from 1828 to 1861. As far as Ravalana was concerned, the only good foreigner was a dead one. She broke treaties with both the English and the French and banned Christianity. With a fantasism that would have come up with Mary, would have made Mary Tudor proud, she came up with creative and incentive ways to eliminate anyone caught practicing Christianity. They were tortured, flung from cliffs, boiled in water, poisoned, flung off the cliffs, or beheaded if they didn't act right and recant. Okay, bitch, you do what I say or it's die time for you. She also got rid of trial by jury and brought back good old-fashioned trial by ordeal, which was decided by forcing the accused to drink the poisonous juice of the Tanguina plant. If they survived, they were innocent. If they died, 
bitch, you was guilty and you should have died anyway. But the French and the British spent considerable time and effort trying to dislodge Ravalana from the throne, but to no avail. After one successful battle against an invasion, Ravalana cut off the heads of the dead Europeans, stuck them on pikes. It's giving... What is that movie with Mel Gibson? Blood something. Blood. I don't fucking know. But y'all know what I'm talking about where he had the heads on the spikes. Whatever. Anyway. And then she lined them up on the beach to repel and keep away anybody else that thought they was going to come in and get away with some bullshit. Not on Revelana's time. Okay. After that little display, the French and the English decided that they were better off concentrating their efforts on other third world countries and not ones ruled by insane females. So Miss Ravalana kept those English motherfuckers from coming invading her shit because you was gonna get your head cut off and you was gonna be mad about it when you found yourself on the goddamn pike at the beach when your people roll up. <laughs> you hate to see it. Next up on the recording block, we have Charlotte. A 17-year-old slave girl and serial killer in Louisiana in 1853. She amassed nine murderers and constructed like a mass poison attempt. We understand that a mulatto girl, and you know what mulatto means, so it's probably some outside girl, slave master's daughter. Clearly, that's what mulatto means for us. She was about 17 and she was purchased a few weeks prior by Mr. Lafargue of Avo Yales. I probably said that wrong, but I don't know. For the sum of $1,050. So the 17-year-old girl was purchased for $1,050 in cash. And I'm sure at that time, that's a fucking lot. Okay. She was brought to the city and she was lodged in a jail on a charge of poisoning one of her master's children. Two days after the commission of that crime, another attempt, attempt at poisoning the entire family by means of arsenic rolled back to Roberta. Arsenic infused in coffee was made, after which the slave girl, she ran away. Having been caught by the police, she acknowledged that she had poisoned nine different people, most of her victims having been white and colored persons in the state of Missouri. A judicial investigation of this terrible affair will shortly be had later there, and the corpse of Mr. Lafargue's child will be subjected to a post-mortem examination. So Charlotte got in the house, and Charlotte said, Hey, y'all. I'm about to do the Lord's work and I'm about to get busy on these motherfuckers. Y'all buy me for $1,050. I'm about to kill y'all $1,050 worth of time. Go ahead and do what you got to do, Charlotte. I ain't mad at it, baby. The next and last lady we're going to talk about on this quick episode is Virginia Doyle. She is in Detroit, Michigan, and she is what? A serial killer a colored lady named lucretia borgia whose actual change name because y'all know y'all like to change our goddamn names her name was turned into virginia Doyle. she was arraigned at the police court in detroit on friday march 4th 
upon a charge of attempting to poison Mrs. Catherine de Baptiste, the mother of the prisoner's first husband. Mrs. Baptiste had been for some time past at the house with Miss Doyle. And it was alleged that the poison had been introduced in small quantities into her food and medicine as of late. The defendant is at present living with her third husband named George Talfiero, a son by her second husband, was a son by her second husband, was led to suspect by his mother by drinking some beef tea. And I'm going to stop there. Beef tea, like, like beef soup broth, but like beef tea, I don't Ooh, girl, I don't know about no beef tea, child, but um, drank some beef tea that was created by Miss D. Baptiste. It made him real sick, and she he was determined to keep a close watch. A bottle of medicine was procured from the druggist and a piece of apple substituted for the cork. A small splinter of wood was thrust into the apple as if it was to prevent it from falling into the bottle, but the splinter was placed directly over the mark upon the neck of the bottle. It was alleged that Talfiero then went out of the room for a few minutes, leaving his mother in there with the sick women. When he returned, he found that the stopper of the bottle had been turned and that the stick was not above the mark where it was when he left it. And a piece of apple was lying on the table. It is alleged by all parties who were acquainted with Miss Doyle that D. Baptiste and Talfiero both died very suddenly and that was just before the death of the latter. He complained of a burning sensation in his stomach. The death of the latter, he complained of a burning sensation in his stomach as well. Sounds like somebody got poisoned. You left the room, motherfuckers got poisoned. That's what fucking happens. The Detroit Tree Press stated that Virginia Doyle, the woman, was convicted of some time since mixing arsenic with port wine and attempting to poison her mother, Mrs. Catherine Baptiste. She was brought down from jail yesterday morning for her sentence. And when I say yesterday, I mean yesterday and back in the goddamn day, not yesterday, like July. Okay. Her case was taken to the Supreme Court on a bill of exceptions to the rulings of Recorder Swift. But the higher court sustained that positions of the court below and remanded the prisoner back for judgment since she had been in very feeble health since her conviction and appeared to be utterly broken down in mind and body. Two policemen carried her into the court and during the proceedings before her case was reached, she sat veiled and trembling with nervous excitement, as though her expectancy of her impending doom. When asked if she had anything to say why the Senate should not be paused upon her, he replied that she was as innocent as an angel of crime of which she stood convicted. The court expressed a full belief in her guilt and 12 impartial men folk, of course, who were swain to do her justice, had, after careful and patient deliberation, reached the same conclusion. His honor, the judge, also alluded to the magnitude of her course, her fiendish and inhumane attempt to destroy the mother who gave her being and declared that ordinarily he should consider the case with a full punishment should be inflicted. The law had placed the offense in the same category with murder in the second degree and prescribed the life sentence if court should see it flip, flicked, flicked, see it fit, <laughs> see it fit. But even though most of the jury was in poor health 
and that had the jury's recommendation to mercy, they should be able to act with some leniency because, hey, all y'all in the jury sick, you might as well act like homegirl ain't sick because she is. In the end, the sentence was that she should be confined to the Detroit House of Corrections. There she will be kept and employed for a period of 20 years. Immediately after receiving her sentence, she was taken out of the courtroom, placed in a carriage, taken to the House of Corrections, unaccompanied by only one officer in charge. <sighs> All right. So at about eight o'clock on Tuesday, March the 1st, Officer Cook made his way, made an arrest of somebody who was charged by his own son for poisoning their mother. The woman Doyle takes her name from, a husband who died about 15 months ago. She was married about 16 years, and the first 16 years she had that son. While the son was yet a baby, the husband died, and the manner of death alluded to a great deal of surprise. Him going off very suddenly and with a really great deal of pain. The woman married again five years ago, and something like a year ago, the husband died. He was strong, hardy, and was first taken like he was a big, a big body guy. He should not have died, but they said that he had some stomach burning stomach pains, and he had several attacks previous to the one before he died. He suspected that his wife had given them something just before dying. Hmm. Upon securing her freedom, and by her freedom, I mean Ellis, which is the wife of said lady. She did not carry out the request, although the matter got to the knowledge of the detectives who had the woman arrested, but the case lingered along for a while, and in the end of the day, the shit was dropped. Once she got free, the woman went immediately home and hired a young lady to crawl under her house and bring out a small package containing a powder which she seemed to go ahead and burn on the stove. So this sounds like more murder to me. More murder. More fucking murder. It has been now nearly three months. And when I say three months, I mean three months to that same year that the man living with Mrs. Doyle left for New York or for somewhere because he got the fuck away. Nobody's heard from him. And it's in the opinion of Ellis and the son that he has abandoned the woman and that he has abandoned the woman and that he never was her husband at any point. So I'm guessing he got hype and hip on the shit. And he said, fuck that, baby. I'm out of here. In the end, Virginia Doyle, she was in jail for 20 years. And then she ended up dying from breast cancer in May of 1877. And she also had cancer of the uterus as well. So she did what she did and she died. Now, these ladies did what they had to do. I don't know if it's what they had to do, but they did what they wanted to do. And that is a quick anthology, early anthology of the world's first female serial killers i have a lot more we will get into it later we will bring this back another time until then make sure you follow me on social media at in killing color on instagram facebook and twitter follow my producer at it's the sweet talkers 
My theme song is by Remix Maniacs. And all research and writing is done by me. Talk to y'all next time. Bye.